All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. We're going to continue looking at what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 5. If you're using a pew Bible, that's page 563. If you're using a pew Bible, page 563. Now, we have been going through the Gospel of John. We're up to the fifth chapter. Our whole purpose is to get to know Jesus. And if you want to get to know Jesus, the best place to go is the Gospels. And the Gospel of John is especially a great place because with the Gospel of John, he's addressing people like you and I, and he's wanting us to understand the reality of who Jesus is as God, but also fully human, one who, who suffers and endures just as we endure, so he understands what you're going through. But what he wants us to see is this Jesus and the reality of this Jesus, especially to correct some of our thinking about him. Because that's what he's doing in this chapter. He's, he's expressing who he is so that he corrects the thinking of the Jews who were wanting the Messiah, but they had built up these ideas in their mind. But also concerning what it is to worship God and to, to be in relationship with him. Because the Jews in this day, when Jesus is we see his life here, they had built up an entire system of what it was to worship God. And if you didn't conform to that system, you were basically a sinner. You were condemned. And we see here that Jesus is being condemned. Why? Because he healed on the Sabbath. Because you weren't supposed to do that. That was considered work. Think about that. Making someone whole was considered work. And they wondered who, who in the world was he that he would do that. In fact, they were overlooking their own scriptures. Why? Because the scriptures made it very clear that the one who would be doing these things that Jesus was doing was the Messiah that they were wanting. But see, here's the thing. Remember from John chapter 1 that he would come onto his own, but his own would not accept him? They would reject him because they what? Love darkness. They want to do their own thing. And we understand that, right? We all want to do our own thing. But the reality is, is that when we want to go to the Lord, he wants to guide us into something better. And so what we're going to do today is kind of look here again at how he describes himself. So last week in his argument with them, he, he talked about the relationship that he and the father had. This week, we're going to focus on verses 25 through 30, and he's going to talk about how he is the judge, the judge, the ultimate judge. Now, this is interesting, because right now he's being judged by them for what? Healing on the Sabbath. But he's going to talk about his authority, because that's what they want to, what authority do you have to do this? What authority? He's going to tell them, this is the authority I have. And you're going to understand it. Now this is, this blow, have you ever thought about this? This blows my mind. When you think about the people who are accusing Jesus, who are judging him, when you think about the people who would have him go and be put on the cross, what blows my mind, if you think about it for a moment, is those same people one day will what? Appear before the judge. And when they look up and see who the judge is, it's the Jesus who they judged. 
and reject it. That would just blow your mind, wouldn't it? Especially, that would probably be the shock for them to realize that he is the judge. But we're going to see that here. Now, what does that have to do with you and I? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts, first of all, because I want to express how you and I sometimes, we operate within a problem. We kind of have a struggle that goes on. What do you mean? Well, let me give you the first point here. It's easy to lose perspective about who Jesus is. It's easy to lose perspective about who Jesus is. I'm just going to be honest with you. Why is that? Well, we live in a world of flesh. Do you understand? And, and, and solids and life and liquids. Okay? We understand. We see things. Right? God is a spirit. You can't see him. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. And Jesus, even though he is human, is now with the Father. The spiritual world, we don't understand. We can't comprehend. So the spiritual world, let's just be honest, isn't real to us. Now, remove from the fact that here we are in 2021 and Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. Again, that's not real to us. And so the reality of who he is is beyond us. Now, we have a, a, an easy time understanding Jesus as God. Jesus as human, we don't understand because we haven't seen him. We haven't touched him. And so what happens is, is you go about your life, and it's easy to do this. You're a Christian. You're living your life for the Lord. You have this understanding of who Jesus is, but maybe you don't have a complete understanding. We lose perspective. We lose perspective. One of the things we realize is Jesus said in this gospel, hey, I'm going away, but I'm sending another comforter. Comforter. A helper. The Spirit who inhabits you all the time. So you may not have Jesus with you. If only Jesus was here. Ever said that? If only Jesus was here. No, Jesus doesn't need to be here. You already have another comforter. Who's that? The Spirit. See, this is the problem we operate under. We, it's easy to lose perspective about who Jesus is. Now, here's the second thing. So this is where the problem really emerges. And I think we can relate to this. With that loss of perspective, we begin to question the ability of God. When you begin to lose perspective of who he is, you begin to question the ability of God to be with you and to handle the things that you're going through. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? You begin to question that. Because here's the thing. Here's, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I just thought about this the other day. Sometimes I know for myself, I, it is real easy for me if I am not constantly reminding myself of who he is and my relationship with him and I'm interacting with him. It's real easy to just think of God as someone that I'm supposed to just get stuff from. God, you're supposed to answer my prayers. In fact, that's what you promised. If I ask whatever in your name, you'll give that to me. You'll give me the desires of my heart. And when you begin to see God simply as someone to get from, then here's the problem. When he doesn't get it from you, you react. And I thought about this. Everybody can relate to this. Have you ever been in Walmart 
and you've been near the toy section and you heard a little voice say, I want this! And they're making a, their little voice becomes louder. I want this! And you hear another voice, an adult voice saying, no, we're not getting that. I want this! And then usually what happens is, sadly, they get them that. Or if they don't, they go away and they're like, ah, you didn't give me that. Why am I bringing that? First of all, have you seen that? Or heard that? Yes, we've all heard that. Okay. Maybe you've experienced it. Okay. We do at some point if you're a parent, right? You just got to know how to deal with that. We'll talk about that later. That's not today's sermon. Okay. Why did I bring that up? Because we're a lot like those little kids when we don't get what we want from God. Only the fits we pitch aren't like that. There may be we walk away from him or we get angry with him. But we pitch our fits in certain ways. But he's the heavenly father who knows what's best for us, right? But we've reduced our relationship down to, with God to simply getting from him. See, when you lose perspective of who he is, then you question his ability. So I was thinking... Actually, it was this morning. I was in the office. I was thinking. I was reflecting on my relationship with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I am so thankful you take care of me even when I'm not even aware, even when I ask stupid things. Because I was reading an article about something, and I remember I thought, oh, this would be good for our church. God, would you allow that to happen? God never allowed it to happen, Okay. And, and then today I read an article and I was like, wow, I'm glad that didn't happen. Lord, you knew better than me. You take care of me even when I'm not aware. And I need to rest in that. But see, the only way you're going to come to that kind of conclusion is if what? You have a relationship with the Lord. Did you understand what I'm saying? You think about a parent-child relationship. A parent doesn't give their child everything. Well, some do, yeah, but when they do, guess what? We've all seen it. There's what? Problems. God's the same way. And so what we're going to do now is get a perspective of Jesus that maybe will help us realize some things in our lives. So let's look together. Let's look at verses 25 through 30. John chapter 5. Recording the words of Jesus, John writes, Most assuredly, I say to you that the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. And as the Father has life in himself... So he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all 
who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will. But the will of the Father who sent me. All right, now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this section of verses and we're actually going to divide it into three parts. We're going to see, first of all, the question of authority. He's going to answer this whole question of authority as to why he's doing what he's doing. Then we're going to see that Jesus brings up the whole issue of the resurrection. Now, does everybody here believe the resurrection? Hopefully. This life is just this life, but there's another life. You're going to be raised up. Your body is going to be raised up. We'll talk about that in a moment. You're going to be raised up to continue to live on. And then finally, we're going to see him talk about the judgment. What judgment? The final judgment. The judgment that everyone has to face. Okay, so let's take a look at this together. Now, you say, wait a minute. Now, hold on a second, George. What does that have to do with what you're talking about earlier about losing perspective? Well, it's just like with a parent. You are a parent to your children. And some of you, you want to be a friend to your children, and that's a good thing. But that doesn't remove you from who you are with your children, right? You're a parent, especially when they're young. Now, when they get older and they become adults, yes, that relationship changes. Hopefully, it should. But the reality is you understand that there's still a role there, right? There's a role there that was... Ordained by God with regards to authority in people's lives. Now, again, when you get older, that changes, right? But the same thing is true here. God is not simply your buddy. And when you talk about Jesus, yes, he's your friend who sticks closer than a brother. But he's still God. He's still the creator and the Lord of the universe who has allowed you to have a relationship with him, but that's still who he is. Do you understand? So let's talk about it, all right? So we're going to talk about this whole aspect of the question of his authority. First thing I want you to see is this. Look with me at verse 25. He says this, Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is. What in the world is he talking about? Well, Jesus wants us to look beyond the present moment. When he talks about the hour is coming, the hour is referring to the final events of the end. He's talking about what's going to take place in the future. And as now is, what does he mean by that? Well, now is, is referring that he is the one who orchestrates the events, and, and because he's there as the Messiah, all those events are beginning. All those events that are happening now with his coming. And so here he is. He's wanting you and I. He's wanting his listeners. He's wanting the Jews in that day, especially those who were judging him. He's wanting them to look beyond now. Isn't that hard for us to do? Because all we think about is right now, right? We think about our problems. We think about what's required of us. We think about the bills that are due. We think about the yard that needs mowed. That's what we think about. 
We're thinking about today, and that's where we live is today, right? Because we really can't affect the future very much, and we sure can't do anything about what just happened, right? But God wants us, Jesus wants us to think beyond. Think beyond the moment. Think to the future for a moment, okay? Because it's beginning. When it began 2,000 years ago with his coming, the events are in place. So think beyond it. Think about your life in regards to that. And here's what he's saying. He's saying that the Father granted that Jesus is both the source of life and a judge. The Father granted that he is both the source of life and a judge. Let me help you to understand what's happening here. Look with me again. Verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. All right, let's talk about life for a moment. God has life in himself. No one gave it to him. But guess what? When you read in Genesis, when he talks about humans, he breathed into them what? Life. Life was given to us by the one who has life, God. He's making the point here that life as we want it, as we are supposed to live it, is found in the one who has it. Who's that God? But he also points out that the Son has it as well. Who's the Son? Jesus. So you want to talk about authority, he has authority because in him is life. Life is found in him. And isn't that interesting? We just sang that song. Death was arrested. My life began. You've been given a new life. Why? Through Jesus. Now here's the other thing he points out here. Look with me. Verse 27. And was given to him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Now, what does that son of man think? Well, son of man, that's how Jesus is often referred to in the gospel of John. It is a reference to his being the Messiah, the promised one, the one who would make all things right. And authority was given to him to what? Judge. All right, now let's stop for a moment. We do live in the age of rage right now. Just turn on your TV, you'll see it. Turn on the news. It's there. And everybody is offended at everybody. Am, am, I not, not, am I the only one that's seeing that? It just seems like everybody's offended at everybody right now. And, and everybody wants to get back at people because of what they have done to them. And so here you are. You're here this week. This is Sunday. But as you think about the week you just had, did somebody, did everybody have a perfect week where nobody did them wrong? Nobody cut you off in traffic. Nobody took that last product at Walmart that you were just reaching to and somebody reached over and grabbed it. Has anybody gone a whole week without nobody doing them wrong? Nobody saying a wrong word to them? Nobody cursing at them? Nobody being offended? Has anybody, am I the only one that experienced that? Everybody's like, that happens with you, George? That happens to all of us. Now, here's the thing. We just talked about these minor issues, but some of you have had some major things happen 
to you this week. That's wrong. And they've been devastating. Or had some things happen to you. Maybe not this last week, but over time. That were devastating to you. And here's what happens. We live with this struggle. Is anyone going to make this right? Is anyone going to deal with this? It always seems like they, have you ever said this? They get away with it. Nobody's going to hold them to account. Jesus remembered what he's saying. The hour is coming and now is. Think beyond the moment. Someone was given authority to what? Judge. And someone will make that right. Someone will make that right. In his time, he will make that right. One of the, one of the amazing things to me, when I, I like to read through Revelation every once in a while, and I especially like to read through the letters to the seven churches. I think they're very relevant to even where we are today. One of the things he is encouraging a church that's going through hardship and persecution. And he says to them that even their enemies in that day, in that day when everything will be made right, that their enemies will be made to come down and bow down and acknowledge them. What's he talking about? That when God makes it all right, even those who were your enemies will acknowledge we did them wrong. Wow. Wow. He is the judge. He gives us life, but he also what? Sets everything right. The day is coming when he will set everything right. Is that not awesome? Hang on. That's the question of his authority. So let's talk about it. So then he moves on, verse 28 and 29, and he talks about resurrection. He wants you to understand that there's more to this life than right now. He especially wanted those guys who were accusing him to understand there's more to this life than right now. I'm the ultimate judge. You're judging me? Because I'm healing on the Sabbath. I'm the one that authority has been given to to judge. And you want to understand what's going to happen? There is going to be not just this life where you're worried about keeping religious rules and exercises. There is more to this life and there's going to be a resurrection. But that resurrection isn't going to be the same for everyone. So look with me. Look at what he says here. Verse 28. Do not marvel at this. What's he talking about, marvel at this? He's talking about what he just said about him being the judge and about life being given to him. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming. So again, he's referring to the future is coming and things will be made right. The hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear his voice. All those who've died will hear his voice. Here's what he says. And come forth. They'll be raised up. And here's what happens. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection 
of condemnation. Now you say, wait a minute, George, that's, that's really different than what you've been saying about salvation is by faith. Here it seems like if they do good, they'll be resurrected to life, but if they do bad, they'll be resurrected to evil. No, 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 this is not taken away from faith and about faith being the only means of salvation. What he's expressing here is what he's already talked about earlier. What do you mean? That those who reject him will what? Continue to pursue their sins in darkness. But those who what? Have life will do good. This is what he's talking about. Those who have life because they believe. This is not a contradiction. But here's the two things I want you to see. The day is coming when, when those who are dead will hear the son's voice. I think we all understand death. And we all hate it. You say, that's a pretty, pretty harsh word, isn't it? Yeah, we hate it. The loss is real to us. And it never, never leaves us. You know, I, um, my, my dad was killed in 1986, so that's been 35 years. Can, can I be honest with you? That's 35 years ago. You think, okay, is, this, is it easy now, 35 years later? No, it isn't. It isn't. The loss is just as real now as it was 35 years ago. I, I still have nights where, they're, they're not many, but they're still there where I dream about my dad. But I know that he's gone. So I wake up and I hate death all the more. Can you relate to what I'm saying? But here, here's the reality. Scripture tells us while that is real to us here, it's only for the moment. Because one day when, the Christ, when Christ comes, the dead will be raised up. Their bodies will be raised up. And there will be a resurrection. Now the problem is, is there's a resurrection to life and there's a resurrection to death. But all will be raised up. And he has the authority to do that. So listen to me. The one that is your friend, the one who saved you, the one that you go to in prayer, is the one who has the authority that when he speaks the word, the dead are raised up. Do you understand who I'm, what I'm saying to you? This is the Jesus that we love. This is the Jesus who controls the future. This is the Jesus who is the judge. This is the Jesus who resurrects. How do we know that he'll do that? Because he himself was resurrected. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he himself raised up on the third day. He raises up. The day is coming. Here's the other thing I want you to see here. They will be resurrected either to life or condemnation. They will be resurrected to either life or condemnation. What do you mean condemnation? Well, the scripture tells us in Revelation, if you go to, to chapters 20 through 22, there are actually 20 to 21, there's two resurrections here. There's a resurrection unto life. Those who have faith will be raised up and appear before the judge at the resurrection unto life. Now, here's the thing. Is it like a determination as to whether or not you go to hell? No, 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 it's a different thing. That resurrection is a resurrection of reward. What do you mean? Well, if you take your, all right, take your Bible, let me help you to think. There's a resurrection. Every one of you, hopefully, will experience this resurrection. First Corinthians, go with me to First Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. He's talking about you living your life now, okay? Look with me at Verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation, and one and another builds on it, but let each one take heed to how he builds on it. There is no other foundation anyone can lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's saying, as the apostle, he has laid a foundation in their lives that is Jesus and then everyone builds on that. What do you mean builds on that? Well, look at what he says here. Next verse. And if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now he's using the illustration of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble to reflect on how you live your life. You're building on the foundation right now. Every one of you, I'm building on it, you're building on it, and here's the building materials. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now listen to what he says here. And each one's work will become clear for the day. What day? Remember, Jesus referred to it as the hour. The day will declare it. What is the day? The day of the Lord, the judgment, the resurrection. You and I will appear before him. Here's what he says. The day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Fire will test each one's work. Okay, stop. Each one's work. So those things that you're building on, that foundation with, that's the things you do. You're building on your faith by the things you do. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. Let's finish what it says. We'll be each, it'll be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now here's what he says. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet through the fire. What's he talking about here? All right? So, okay, I'll use George. 
All right, I'll use George. Everybody understands George? George, George is a pastor, okay? All right, so I'm, I'm living my life. I'm building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. In that day when he calls forth the dead unto a resurrection unto life or a resurrection unto condemnation, for believers, that resurrection of life is the moment that he tests what I do. And I'll receive a reward. So all my efforts of as I've lived my Christian life and as I've served as a pastor, in fact, it says for a teacher, a pastor, the, if you know what the scripture says, the scripture tells you that I will receive double an examination. I get judged more than you do. And here's what happens. Then what is examined is why I did. So I can go to him and say, well, look, Lord, I did all these things for you. Yeah, but I'm doing that to Jesus. And unlike you, he knows my motives. He knows why I did it. And it could be that something that looks like gold or silver to you may actually be Stubble, chaff, completely worthless. And when he tests it, it burns up. But here's the thing. So what happens is, is when we are judged, some will have what they do, will go through the fire, and they'll be rewarded for it. But then some, they lose everything. But you say, well, what, what is there for me? You're still saved. You just don't have a reward. Do you understand? That's the resurrection life. So you'll be resurrected unto life. Now, what about this resurrection of condemnation? You go over to Revelation chapter 20. I think it's verse 17. Through the end of the verse, it talks about the great white throne. And here's what happens. The books will be opened. What are the books? The books of everything that all humanity has done. And they will be judged. But here's what they will be. They'll be cast into the lake of fire. Why? Because their names were not written in what? The book of life. They didn't believe. They will be resurrected to either life or death. He will call them forth. This is who Jesus is. Get your perspective right. When we talk about Christ and about him doing amazing things, yes, he loves you. And we're getting ready to do a whole study on that, right? But he's still Jesus. The Messiah. The Christ. And he judges. So let's talk about that judgment. Two things I want to point out here. So did you understand that Jesus is fair in his judgment? Because let's be honest. We have judges and they're all, you know, we have good people that are judges in our society, right? Everybody would agree with that, right? But does a judge make a fair decision all the time? No, they're human. Right? Are there corrupt judges? Yeah, you read about them every once in a while, they're corrupt. But when we talk about Jesus being the judge, you don't have to question that. Why? He says two things here. Look with me at verse 30. He says this. Let me get back to John. Hold on. John. John chapter 5, verse 30. 
I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. I do not seek my own will. So he's not in it for himself when he judges. He's in it to execute judgment, and he says this, that it is righteous. And when we talk about righteousness here, we're talking about God's righteousness. And he does what the Father tells him. He executes judgment in accordance with what God wants. So here's what I want you to see. As a judge, Jesus does not act independently of the Father again. So whatever he does, it's in accordance with what God the Father wants. That's an awesome thing for you and I to think about. Second thing, Jesus' judgment is in accordance with the will of the Father. So let me just stop for a moment. I think this is an important point for you and I. Because I think it's going to cause us for a moment to reflect. What do you mean, George? Well, we've said several times today, we've said it through prayer, we've We've expressed this earlier. Here's, here's the reality. Would everybody agree that we're sinners? Would you all agree with that? That you do wrong? In fact, I, I had a conversation this week with someone. You can't even keep track of that. You can't even keep track of you doing wrong. What do you mean I can't keep track of it? I've got a pretty good idea what I did and shouldn't have done. No, no, you can't even keep track of you doing wrong because you and I, here's the thing, we sin ignorantly. We sin without even knowing it. Why? Because we inhabit corrupt bodies. So we're sinners. Now, having said that, here's the thing. I know that some of us, because we have lost our perspective of who Jesus is. So then begin to, we begin to question the ability of God, and we even begin to question the intentions of God or how God views us. We sometimes think, and we'll even say it to each other. You ever had somebody, they go through a terrible circumstance, you may not say it to their face, although there's a few that would, and, and, and those folks need to get a grip. I wonder what they did. Ever had somebody say that? I wonder what they did. As in, they're experiencing what? The punishment of God. And I've met so many Christians that operate that way. When you've got something wrong going on, and, and it's like, what did I do, Lord? Ever said that? What did I do? You've lost perspective. That's what you've done. Because you have forgotten the most foundational truth for you as a believer. That when he saved you, he saved you not because of what you do or haven't done or what you could have done or what you're going to do 10 years from now. He saved you because of what Jesus did. His acceptance of you and his love for you is because of what Jesus did. So when he does discipline us, he disciplines us as what? The loving heavenly father, as a father would scourge his own son. 
Not as the righteous judge who's exacting punishment for your sin. And see, what I'm trying to say to you is, is when you look at Jesus, Jesus is acting in your life in accordance with the will of the Father. The will of the Father is what? The penalty has been paid. The punishment has already been executed. But it wasn't towards you or I. It was towards Jesus when he died on that cross. Do you see what I'm saying? So don't ever think that God is punishing you and exacting judgment on you. Does he chastise? Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does he take us to the woodshed when we do wrong? Yes. But he still what? Loves you. I mean, I think, you know, I've got four kids. They're all adults now, but there were times through their lives. And do they still mess up? Yeah. Do, am I still disappointed? Yes. But at this point, I can't take them and say, hey, let's go have a talk. They're adults. But when they were children, come talk to dad. But even after that talk, the love didn't change. Did it change with you towards your children? No. I'm telling you, he's the judge. And his judgment is righteous in accordance with the will of the Father. Grasp it for your life. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, here's what I want you to think about. When you think about your life right now, and you think about Jesus in your life, first of all, who is he? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Who is he to you? Is he just someone that you can just go to and keep asking and asking and asking, and when he doesn't give you what you want, you just pitch your fit, whatever it may be? Or do you realize that he is the one who is all-powerful, to whom life has been given, and life is within himself, and he is the judge, he is the supreme judge, who will one day put everything in order, but yet he is the one who what? Has this relationship with you. And he gives you life. And he guides and directs your life. And yes, he's your friend. But he's also your Lord. Something to think about. Let me pray for you.